And something essential is to encourage new generations to become aware of the way they dress, to know how and where what they are wearing has been produced. This is our culture and information and transparency are the pillars for a conscious consumption. We're the Majority Group, and this is Style as Identity, where we profile the designers and founders whose mere existence shifts our understanding of the style status quo. We're your hosts. I'm Lola Catero. And I'm Frankie Aquazum. And after years of settling for style that didn't represent us, we set out to find the brands that did. Join us each episode as we learn from brands that are an extension of their values, identity, and aesthetic. And because of them, we're seen and represented. Made to order, handmade by artisans, uses the highest quality of natural fibers and dyes, are all things we've heard before in a brand. But Mighty goes even beyond that with an extra something something. I mean, these pieces are stunning, truly classic, but never boring, and they feel wonderful while being built to last. And for that, we can thank Maria Abdalazletzi, who you'll meet in a minute. She created Mighty out of Buenos Aires, Argentina. And while Argentina is much more famous for its agriculture than it is for its manufacturing, Maria built Mighty, and she did it in her own way by working with the community to learn and create the systems and certifications to get it done and get it done intentionally. Text Ola Mighty, that's H O L A M A Y D I, to us at the number 833 495 4773 to follow along visually. This info can also be found in our show notes. Hi, Maria. Hi, Lola. Hi. Hi. It's so good to have you here. I know we've been looking forward to this for a long time. And I think a good place to start is just to hear about your background, Maria. Like, how did you come into fashion and and how did you create Mighty? Very nice to meet you. So I'm Maria Abdala-Solesi. I am the founder and creative director of Mighty. Mighty, uh, I am the fashion designer and Mighty is my nickname. Since I was a child, my passion was fashion and I had my own sewing machines to make the clothes for my dolls. I study advertising in Buenos Aires. I study in fashion of school in, in London, like an apprenticeship to make fashion design. I work for 10 years in the fashion industry in Paris for many brands like Hermès, Sonia Riquel, in the communication and marketing skills. And when I decided to come back to Buenos Aires, Argentina, I decided to make my own brand because after 10 years of an acquired knowledge in different areas, press marketing, I can do with all this experience. And the answer was start researching what were the main research in Argentina. And I found that we have the best raw natural fibers. So this is why I was born mighty. It's a very linear life journey you've had in the world of fashion, which is amazing. I was wondering, you were so interested in fashion and designing at a young age. Like, was that something you were surrounded by and wanted to continue and had like almost mentors? Or did it just something that kind of came from you? 
So I love fashion uh, from when I was a child. So and when they have the opportunity to work in the fashion industry in Paris, I have a lot of mentors. Like one of my mentors is was Robert Dodd. With him, I start to work in marketing for many American brands. And then step by step, I try to change in different areas of the fashion industry, like marketing, like commercial, like product. And in Argentina, I start, I think I push my creativity because I felt in all those experience, my creativity is like limit, you know. I had a mentor as well that I work for the uh, Fédération Française de la Couture. Her name is Patricia Lera. And she pushed me uh, to build my brand. And in 2014, I had the opportunity to present my collection at the Milano Trade Fair for accessories. And it was an amazing experience because I have my first Italian customer. Uh, so this is, I think, is the start of this uh, beautiful history. That's wonderful. I love how you've been able to transform your passion for fashion, as, as Lola said, in all these different ways. And then you're kind of bringing them together with Mighty. And you talked about your first Italian customer. We'd love to hear about your customers. So who do you think Mighty is for? Who's your target customer? My first customer is was Italian, but then step by step in 2017, it was my first presentation in Paris in 2017. It was a lot of appointment with Japanese customers. It was a surprise for me because I have actually, I don't remember how many customers uh, came at my showroom and my, my first presentations, but I feel I have an approach, a very close approach with Japanese customers because they really appreciated my the style, my minimalist and contemporary design, even if their all the pieces are uh, artisanal. At the same time, they appreciated because the history of uh, kimonos on traditional techniques of Japanese customers, I think, is a really good match with Mighty between. Uh, fabrics because they know very well what is the difference between cashmere and merino wool and bikuna, for example, and at the same time, so the different technique that I use in my knitwear label. You said cashmere, merino wool, and what was that third one? Bikuna. Bikuna is V-I-C-U-G-N-A. Bikuna is like the camel family. And it's one of the most sophisticated fibers in the world, not very famous. For example, Italian markets, for them, it's, they use, for example, Loro Piana, they use a lot of Bicuna. And in the past, the Indians called them the silk of the earth because it's very, very soft and it's very precious, the, the touching, the frilling of this fiber. And for example, at Maidi, we start a collaboration with the community in the north of Argentina, because these animals, they live between the Cordilleras de Sandes, between Bolivia and even Peru. So are very famous even in Peru. It's the same family than the alpaca, but it's the first 
in the chain as the first animal is a wild animal, and then it's coming the Wanako, then alpaca, and then llama. How did you learn about all these differences between the different animals and the different fibers and where they are? I learned by myself because I am a very passionate by the fibers. Even if I love fashion, of course, actually, for me, it's very important. So the contact with the animals and I work also with many biologists and science uh, from CONICET, which is one of the most institutes of technology in South America. And I learned with them all these special properties of each fiber. But I learned by myself because I am passionate by fibers. When you found a fiber or an animal that you wanted to work with, can you give us an example? Like walk us through a material that you now turn into a garment that had not been made into a garment before, at least in Argentina and your ecosystem. When I start, it was merino wool because Argentina is the first country in the world to export the best merino wool. I get some props for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm so proud of that. <laughs> yes, I get that. So the quality of our merino wool and the quality of Mighty use this kind of merino wool is like similar than the cashmere touching because it depends of the microns, you know. Microns, for example, you have starting from 16 microns to 25 microns. What is a micron? Microns is like the quality, is like the quality of the wool. It's like the skin of the, the ship. It's the skin of the ship. And when they sharing, for example, uh, they separate different types of wool. So the quality of this merino wool is just wonderful because it's very bright, it's soft. And I feel so proud as well because in 2019, I started working with community of rangers in the Patagonia, in the peninsula de Valdez, in Argentina. I am the first network designers that I get this wildlife-friendly certification. Yeah, that's amazing. And I would love to hear more about the quality that you were just talking about. What factors determine the quality and how does the certification impact that quality for better or for worse? The quality is depends, like I told you before, that the microns. I use, for example, 18 and a half microns of this type of goal. For example, the certification, for example, it's obtained between the coexistence with native wildlife species of ship in Peninsula de Valdez, according to the conservation and native uh, vegetation of the soil. I mean, this is the, the determine the quality as well of, of the wool. It's like when you eat, for example, like a bio product or not bio, for example, that you have different tastes for the fiber is the same as the same things because they don't use any chemical products. All the animals are the protect, but at the same time, so the, the wild coexistence as well. So this is, I think, to get this wildlife certification, I think really good things for 
the cooperatives, the ranchers, uh, that they produce the wool, but at the same time for brands like mine to be an example for uh, different generations coming on. It's the certification as, as well as like government organizations with wildlife conservation society. So it's all those organizations are really invest in this project. Absolutely. Okay, so I think I'm with you. The certification helps to ensure that everything that impacts these animals and the fibers are upheld. It's all an ecosystem from the soil and the air and the land. And so that impacts probably the lifestyle that these animals live, but then also the fibers that they produce and then your brand uses. Is that right? Did I, did I hear that correctly? Yeah, it's, it's right. The intention of the Wildlife Conservation Society, Wildlife, and all the rangers, and even me. So it's to promote natural fevers, to activate the different regional economies and different parts of Argentina. So I think it's good for everything in terms of environment, in terms of social and economy, and to produce in different ways to be an example for another part of Argentina as well. The life cycle to create a garment with your brand is just has so much more intention. And I'm curious to know what is the values of Mighty and the legacy you want to leave behind that has informed such a thoughtful, intentional process in producing your materials? For us, it's very important to continue this profession, to continue the legacy of the craftsmanship. And something essential is to encourage uh, new generations to become aware of the way they dress, for example, to know how and where what they are wearing has been produced. And this is our culture and information and transparency are the pillars of for a conscious conception. So I think this is all those values are really important. And we try every day with our brand with an example, for example, to communicate for all our customers at the same time to the young generation as well. Yeah. Maria, how do you do that? Like, what are the different ways you communicate that or educate customers or even other designers that you may inspire through your process? Like, how do you share the knowledge that you are, everything that you're learning with Mighty or that work with certifications? Like, how do you share that? So I'm I'm inspired by many things, but especially always in every collections by the nature it's uh, present in every collections and every collection it's inspired by my state of mind. For example, the spring summer collection 2023, it's inspired by the fires. It was in Esteros de Libera, which is one of the um, most uh, freshwater wetlands in uh, South America and I think worldwide. And I came from this part of Argentina. And the name of this collection, it's called Renaceris Rebirth, because I feel that nature, of course, with the help that the person, we can help to the nature to, to save 
the lands and all this area. For example, we make a collaboration with Artesanos de Libera, which is our communities in these wetlands. And we use a fiber, a vegetable fiber called espartillo, which is typical, is like a grass and is in the, in the sandy areas of this part of Argentina. And for example, all this collection uh, with colors and our intention to make this collaboration with these uh, communities just for environmental aspect, but at the same time for the economy, for these artisans to make known this fiber. So every collection we are inspired by nature. Thinking about color for a minute, you have your collection of fibers, you have your materials. How do you use color or how is color informed by the material and fiber that you're using? So natural is always present because not dying at all. And even for animal fibers and even for vegetable fibers. For example, if we introduce a new color, so we make different tries with different plants. I work uh, at the same time with people in Argentina who make the natural dyes with different kind of plants of South America, but always our color in general are 100% natural because dyeing to make uh, industrial dyeing is one of the worst things for the environment and of course take a lot of water. And so this is why in general we use just only the color of the animals of the colors of the plants in the vegetable fibers. Yellow, I, th- I think for, for the sun, we introduce also like it's called leather brown. It's for me, it's as the fires. We introduce as well a green, the fern green color, I think is for the um, vegetation and for the grass. So each color represents so the na- the nature and those fires in in the Esteros de Libera in these freshwater wetlands. So the color is inspired by of the nature for the sun, for rivers, for the lagoons, from the water. So yeah, and were the materials you used the fibers naturally those colors, or did you? have to dye them to become the colors that you wanted for the collection? Basically, for this collection, we use bamboo fiber. Of course, so not natural color, but of course, to get the yellow one, for example, of course, we make different dyes with different plants. And so for the yellow one, I mean, I'm definitely interested to hear a little bit more about this, and I think our audiences too. So you have a plant that you know you can use to help dye the bamboo fiber yellow. What does that look like? How do you dye a bamboo fiber? In general, the people that I work for dyings, they try so many receipts, you know, many receipts to get the color and then want to have different receipts. So I choose the color that I, I like more than the others. But they try, for example, with many plants or many trees for south from south america with for example with onions so the skin of the onions 
I've done that before, Maria. I've dyed with onions. <laughs> I did tie dye with it. I <laughs> it worked. It worked. So we dyeing also with the cochineal, with the parasite of the cactus. This, for example, to get all the colors in red, we use cochineal. For example, we use also the skin of the avocado. It's called like avocado. Avocado? Is that what we're... Yeah, avocado. Sorry, avocado. I do more difficult than the that is. Okay, so... We could say aguacate. We know. We know what aguacate <laughs> is around here. <laughs> avocado. So the, the skin of the avocado. So we use also tea, different tea, for example, a black tea to get some colors as well. Especially with the skin of onions, we get different types of uh, yellow ones, for example. It's not me that dying when I make a production for many kilos of fibers, you are really be specialized in this area, in this material, because in general, all the colors are not the same. For example, if you're trying to dyeing, I don't know, maybe five kilos altogether, or if you uh, dye I don't know, one kilo is not the same and maybe you get different kind of tines or different colors. So I work with people specialized in that area. It's important for people to know that almost like specification across the different materials you use, both from like a what's the process of getting it to dyeing it, but also like even the certificate. So could you remind us like, you know, we could just do a quick list. What are the different materials that you use across like animal and plant fibers because we've talked about the cuna we've talked about bamboo we've talked about merino so like you can list as many as you can just so people can understand that like almost relearning that has to happen across the different fibers okay so for animal fibers we use merino wool 18 and a half microns we use as well merino hand spoon which is another process of, of the thread of the wool. We use also baby alpaga, llama ghoul, which is, are the family of the camel. We use as well mohair, which is Argentina, is the first country as well that exports the mohair in the world. And we have the wildlife-friendly certification as well. We work with Wanaco. Uh, Wanako is a uh, wild animal, the same family than Bicuna, Lama, and Alpaga. And in the vegetable fibers, for example, we work with bamboo. We work also with cotton and organic cotton, which is you have a difference because organic cotton consumes less water than the normal cotton. We use also raw silk. Is coming from the silkworm. We work as well with espartillo, which is like the, the fiber that I told you before. We work as well with raffia. And this is basically all those fibers that we work actually. That's amazing. <laughs> those are all very different. Thank you for, for listing all of those. Maria, it'd be great if you could say the values of Mighty. I think one of the more important things for us as creative designers, is to be close to the people who were with me, like Candela and many other women and men, 
that we are a really good and nice team. So we take care, of course, of the environment, animals, planets. And for us, it's really important to push the regional economies. For me, especially, it's, it's very important that every people who are with Mighty feel uh, feel good, feel fine. And another thing which is very, very important for me, that is sustainability. It's, it's the responsible of every individual every day. And I want to make unique clothes working under fair trade principles while keeping an equitable relationship with the environment, as well with the respect and appreciation for the individual people who participate in the craftsmanship of each garment. It's a lot. It's hard to run any company with those values <laughs> and intentions. And I think the more we see and showcase that, the more other people can see that it's possible. So thank you. Yes. Thank you, Maria. Thank you very much. Next time we're traveling to London. Okay, we wish. But we'll be talking to Jenya Maniva, founder of Bin London, who is proving that waste and fashion needs to be redefined from something we discard to an essential element of our supply chain. Join us as we get to know Jenya, her smart approach to brand building, and her sleek collection of bags. It's uh, gonna be grand. <laughs>